in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. I need to uh, share with you guys a text message from my dad, who is uh, a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, he said, Brother! After watching Crosby dance around all game and then get torched by Mayfield in a minute and 30 seconds, made me eat ice cream. Carr does a commercial for slippers, which he can wear while watching the playoffs. Yeah, your dad brings up a great yeah, point because we were talking about yesterday that Carr had no commercials. That was two days ago, yes. but you are, you are 100% correct. Right. Remember that? And yeah. that was, what's it, goo-foos or foo-foos? <laughs> What, was it, what are these things called? And he's out there lifting weights and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, he's got a commercial. you got to go to Amazon to see a commercial with this guy for Fufus. Ufos. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're called. I just, I was glad. I mean, I'm glad your dad brought that up because I was glad the guy's finally got a commercial. Jared, I don't know what you should do with it. But after the show, please pull Ed saying Goofos or whatever else he Fufus. mispronounced. Fufus. I think that's Ufos. the promo. Yeah. There were two commercials last night. Goofus and then Devonte Adams with his typical uh, Taco Bell commercial, his national one. I don't think which. Well, it was on Amazon, so his cars a national one. I've yeah. seen it before. I have. Oh, I, you have. I have forgotten about it when we talked about commercials. I have oh, seen the Derek Carr. I've never commercial. seen that one. It. I want to say it's two weeks old. I don't. I don't feel like it's been out there that long. But I had seen it before last right, night. He finally so. got himself some coin. Yes. I mean, good for him. In an UFO's commercial that Ed doesn't know how to pronounce. No, I just knew they were slippers. But apparently upsets my dad because <laughs> can't upset him that much. Kid no, had some ice no, cream. he was having. He's having it nice, sounded nice like he was having himself. a great yes. time. My dad is somebody that um, will like go to bed before a primetime game is over, even on the West Coast because he's tired or whatever. He's like, all right, I'm going to sleep. But he stayed up after that. Not only did he stay up and watch it, he was like, I'm going to have some ice cream after this. <laughs> Good for him. So even my dad is coming uh, for the Raiders this morning. I had ice cream after it, too. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me, Derek. <laughs> there could be a new college football conference. Um, the members of the WAC and the Atlantic Sun say they've joined together to create a conference. This would be the 11th conference in college football. But here's the interesting part. All of these teams are FCS teams, and they want to join FBS Right. They want together. to make the jump up. We're talking about Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, Utah Tech, Southern Utah, Tarleton State, Austin P, Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, and North Alabama. How many of those are actually whack teams? Uh, Stephen F. Austin, Southern Abilene U Christian, Southern Utah, Southern Utah, Tarleton State. Oh, Tarleton State is? Yes. Uh, so basically, they want to be an 11th FBS conference. Don't we have enough? No, no, no. More, more weird. You want Tarleton State against UNLV? We need, yeah. the, UFO. Oh. We need the UFO conference. These are Barry Odom already calling Tarleton State. Right. Hey, these are potential wins that that count as FBS wins. You, for UNLV, you go get Tarleton State. I mean, they're also potentially embarrassing losses, but you could go get the directional. RPG I know school. because then you argue. Well, they're about to make the jump. Am I wrong, or did I actually watch Southern Utah beat UNLV at one point? Uh, Southern Utah is what Dixie State used to be. No, no, excuse me. Utah, no. Utah Tech is what Dixie State right. used to be. Because Southern Utah is right up the street, uh, right did, up the fifteen, right did, up the uh, fifteen. I know Dave. Was that Dave Rice here? Dave Rice beat them in basketball. That's the only thing I remember. Did you Southern Utah beat them in football? I'm on it. Well, where's Todd Simon, the coach? Southern Utah. Yeah, 
Okay. No, yes. Right? Oh, boy. I am now confusing myself. Why are there so many damn schools in Utah? I, I'm Googling. There's like, one, there's like one population center in that state, and they've got like four schools in the southern part of that state. Utah Tech was Dixie State. I've got that. Southern down. Utah, they played. It looks like they played yeah. August 31st, 2019. And UNLV won, right? I'm trying to find the score. I don't. All I'm the getting score is didn't come up. No. Twenty. Well, they didn't. Oh, lose. They didn't yeah, lose. Yeah. Uh, Fifty-six to twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. All Tony right. Sanchez only lost to to Howard. He beat all the others. Uh, he he'd normally get a directional school loss in there somewhere. He, that's the only FCS school that he lost to was Howard. He beat oh, all the other he, FCS schools. He he actually blew out all the other FCS schools. It was just Howard that was, was like, just, ah. It was Cam Newton's brother? Yeah. Kylan Newton was like, ah, not today, Tony. I'm winning a game, and this is going to be the reason you don't go to a bowl game. Those are great. That's that's another great question. The San Francisco Giants had a meeting with Carlos Correa. They wanted to get Aaron Judge, did not land Aaron Judge. Uh, so does that mean they're just going to spend money on Carlos yeah. Correa instead? Why not? Yeah, why not? They, they want to spend money on somebody, obviously. I think if I'm picking uh, which team I want him to go to, Carlos Correa, it would have been the Padres. So I'm a little disappointed oh, there. Oh, yeah, sure. But I think Giants sure. is probably the next best. Because they'll be hitting bombs against the yeah. Dodgers. But like they're not going to actually compete with the Dodgers in the NL West. The Padres might. But the, Do- the Giants aren't going to actually compete. But, you know. An 81-win team hitting a couple of bombs with Correa off the Dodgers. That'd be fun. I'd enjoy that. Give me a regular season walk-off in random July when we have nothing to talk about. And Jared will play that 45 times during (laughs) during the show. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty detailed question. Uh... This is for both of you. The Dodgers signed Jason Hayward. To a minor league contract. He, whoa, okay. He's a great team guy. And he's a great team guy. Yes. He's only 33. Right. But the bat hasn't been there since about when he was 29. Yeah. I mean, no, wait, when was he with the Cardinals? I was, I was, that was to me. I was kind of stunned when I saw he was only 33. Because it's been like... It's three teams. Yeah, but it's been like three years since I remember Jason Hayward doing something in baseball, which would normally lead me to believe, oh, he's 38. But no, he's 33. He's got an incredible glove, which I think you had a guy who had an incredible glove who couldn't hit his weight. Who's now on the Cubs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good trade that wasn't actually a trade. You take our problem, we'll take yours. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? The Mets signed Brandon Nimmo and David Robertson yesterday. Nimmo got an eight-year deal uh, worth $20 million a year. Robertson, a reliever, who was with the Phillies this last year, is getting $10 million a year. Uh, Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, is spending a lot of money. I saw a stat. It was on Reddit, so blame them if it's wrong. The Mets uh, luxury tax bill only. Not their payroll, their luxury tax bill only is more than the Oakland A's currently have committed to payroll for the upcoming season. It Passon says here, second nine-figure re-signing by the Mets this winter, along with Edwin Diaz. Yeah. Second. Yep. One's a reliever and one's a outfielder that's been hurt uh, quite a bit. So two two contracts that could age very, very poorly, plus they and then it's not the 40-year-old guy who's coming to pitch for them. I will say that it is a becoming a weird thread between the hours of the show that 
ownership seems to matter with whether or not you want to make your team competitive. I, it's, even even though I'm kind of criticizing the deals, good for the Mets. Like, spend money? Yeah. Like, a billionaire, he bought a thing he wanted, and he went, well, why wouldn't I spend money on right, it? Yeah. Good for the Mets. Meanwhile, because in all seriousness, you have fans of teams that are the, the A's and the Pirates and the Reds, and it's like, what are you supposed to do if you're a fan of one of those teams? Like, you have to hope that they have three really good years of drafting and then developing those guys, and then you might make the playoffs. Like, that that's your hope if you're, like, a Reds right. fan right now. Like, because they're not going to spend money. Like, the Rockies. Like, well, I guess they did get Chris Bryant. But the Rockies are not any good. They, they randomly were like, ah, look, we spend money. We got Chris Bryant. I, it's just... There's about what ten teams in baseball that are willing to spend some money. Not all, not all of them are Steve Cohen, obviously. But like, if you're not a fan of one of like those ten teams, what what are you a fan of? Yeah. You have to hope like to be the Mariners, basically. Like that's that's the team who's like, ah, we compiled all this young talent. Now it's time. And even then, are they going to win the NL West in the next three years? Or no, AL West? I mean, there. I don't think they are. Well. But it's also, it's funny because it's very similar to what the Astros did, what the Mariners did, where they compiled all their picks and all their young talent, except then the Astros also went, oh, and we're going to buy these people to supplement. The the Astros won the 17 World Series with a relatively cheap payroll, and then they said, all right, we're going to get Garrett Cole. And they were like, we're we're going to spend money now. And They've been they're, they're never like the number one spending team, but they're always in the top 10 and usually the top five. And there's times where I complain about, well, just give Carlos Cray the money, but they're they're pretty good about spending money compared to 60% of the league who are just like, ah, you want us to pay how much? A million dollars for an all-star player? We're nah. paying Derek Jeter to be our GM <laughs> 5 million. <laughs> and none of us know what he does. Yeah, it's a good question. Desmond Ritter will be the Falcons' new starting quarterback. Is it bad that I was hoping that somehow he would wind up on the Raiders eventually, so it'd be Ritter Desmond the Raider? Ritter? Oh, Ritter the Raider? Yeah. So Marcus had his shot, played 75% of the season, and now he's done. He developed uh, He developed the young talent like his yeah. job was, and uh, now this he guy's going to come in and he be the bridge. the bridge to where? Terabithia. The bridge to Desmond, learning behind him. Learning behind him, learning how things what are done. What did he learn from Mariota? That it was time for him to play. <laughs> oh, man, don't throw there. Okay, <laughs> okay. There have been, there were four teams that drafted a quarterback in the first three rounds of the 2022 NFL draft. Two of them have already gone to that rookie quarterback after thinking we need to start the veteran the Steelers did it and now Kenny Pickett's the guy yeah and and both of them just wasted time yeah what what were they doing hold on what were the Falcons doing with Mary what did they gain from starting Mariota what did the Steelers gain from starting Mitch Trubisky absolutely nothing not a damn thing did they gain from that start your rookie quarterbacks the other two Matt Corral and Carolina he got hurt before the season started they were going to do the same thing that Atlanta and Pittsburgh did, but he got hurt. So you can't really say, ah, start the guy that's hurt. And then the only one that you can maybe make an argument for is Tennessee. And that's because Tennessee has had a playoff team and they just took a quarterback because they think they're going to need one in the future. But I can understand why Tennessee. Do you think it was because those teams thought that these guys are too and we're a playoff team? 
they thought they were a playoff yeah, they team? Thought, I, mean, they, they, I mean, I think everyone going into the season probably thinks they're a playoff team, whether they are or they're not. Uh, Pittsburgh thinking he always gets to the playoffs anyway. That Pinkett wasn't ready, but they could get to the playoffs if, if they didn't do that. I'm trying to think of the reason you're giving for not starting, for starting these rookies over the veterans. Because they, they're terrified of losing. They're they're terrified well, of being of two yeah. and fifteen. That's what they're afraid of. I don't I don't believe it's because I do not believe they sat down and thought Marcus Mariota is going to lead us to the playoffs. I do not believe they sat down and thought I Mitch don't know. Trubisky is going to lead. I believe they I sat know. down and thought if we go two and fifteen, we might get fired. And if and the well, mo- Tomlin's never getting fired. And if and the most likely way we go two and fifteen is if this rookie sucks. So let's start the guy who we know is not god-awful, just a little bit awful. So what I think is fascinating is when teams used to do this, kind of what Tyler is talking about, it'd be Josh McCown. It'd be Ryan Fitzpatrick would be the guy that they're like, we're going to have him start and you're going to sit. Now it's Sam Darnold, who was literally like drafted two years ago. Mitch Trubisky, who I'm pretty sure haven't done the math, his total games played are less than the total, if you included college, the less than Kenny Pickett's total game started because he only started like nine games in college before becoming a first-round pick. This isn't exactly the same. The only one that is the same as the old model of put someone in front is Marcus Mariota. All right, before we go to break, here's a tweet from Bridget Condon. I can't stop thinking about how the Rams basically Amazon primed a quarterback for the game last night. I don't know if you can write it any better than that. Obviously, we'd like to be a little bit more stress-free, but it's, it's a pretty damn good story. I'll be honest with you. So it's uh, it's special. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. In about 10 minutes, Q from Raider Nation Radio is going to join the show. Uh, he'll have uh, a lot to say. Um, Wait for Q. We are also... A little bit later this hour, going to give away a six-foot sub from Porta Subs. So stay tuned. You could win a big sandwich. And you'll also be able to win a Yeti cooler as well, thanks to Finley Volvo. Uh, but we do have other teams in this city to talk about. Yeah. UNLV. Oh. They are undefeated in basketball. They play Washington State tomorrow uh, at MGM Grand. UNLV has not been 10-0. Since Jerry Tarkanian's team that went 34-0 and lost to Duke, Jerry Tarkanian's last season, they have not been 10-0. They've been 9-0 once since Tark, and that was Lon Kruger's final season. That team started 9-0, but then lost their 10th game of the season. So they've got a legitimate shot to be 10-0. This is, um, when we look back at this non-conference schedule at the end of the year, there's a chance Washington State is the best team on the non-conference schedule because Dayton is... Dayton fell apart after they played him. They're they, not as good. Dayton just lost to somebody by 30. Yeah. Like, Dayton has fallen. They might be outside they're, the they're top 70. The Rebels broke now. them. Uh, they Like, they might have. Like, that's possible. I mean, they hadn't played a whole lot of games before then. But, like, yeah, UNLV is ahead of Dayton and Ken Palm. 76 to 77. Uh, to start the year, Dayton was 24th in Ken Palm and UNLV was 118th. Yeah. <laughs> so the Bit Dayton dramatic win, turnaround. The Dayton win is not going to go down as a good win for no. 
UNLV. It's actually, we're looking at it saying, well, it's a good thing they didn't lose that game. Yeah. That might that'd be like, oh, a bad loss. They have Dayton this year has played five teams ranked in the top 100 and have lost all five of them. Um, they lost to Virginia Tech 77 to 49. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> That's awful. That's really bad. They also lost a game to Wisconsin, forty-three to forty-two, which might be just as bad. That's just as bad. <laughs> I was going to say what's what. I was going to say what's worse. <laughs> so UNLV's got a shot here to go um, ten and zero. Here's the interesting part: Luis Rodriguez has the last two games, and I, I mean, honestly, for the majority of the season, has become a legitimate scoring option. He had eighteen against uh, Hawaii on six of fourteen shooting, and he's started knocking down threes. He is six of twelve from three over the last two games because he also scored nineteen against San Diego. Um, I am fascinated to see if Luis Rodriguez can keep this up, and if they have three reliable scoring options. Well, what was Luis Rodriguez supposed to be when he came here? A defensive guy, like he his he did not have an offensive role at Ole Miss. Like they he just didn't like the offense was not about getting Luis Rodriguez shots at Ole Miss. And here it's not really about getting Luis Rodriguez shots either. But there's more freedom and more opportunity for him to take shots like this. I think. Listen, when Kevin Kruger got these guys and when he first talked about him, he said, you know, giving Luis Rodriguez an expanded role offensively. But he also said that about like four guys that they got. So yeah, because they got all defensive right. guys. Right. So it's like, well, of course they're going to have to have a bigger yeah. role offensively. Someone's got to score. Right. But like he said the same thing probably about like Eli Parquet, who doesn't have much of an offensive role, but is a great defensive player. So it is still a little bit of a surprise that he's been so good. Here, here's what I'm curious to see: that UNLV hasn't faced very many times this season. When they are in a close game towards the end, when they're in a really tight defensive battle that I I am guessing we will see for sure against San Diego State, maybe we see it before that. Maybe Washington State's able to do it tomorrow. The two guys on the team that have shown they are most capable of creating offense are Keyshawn Gilbert and EJ Harkless. Mm -hmm. Harkless hasn't been very efficient this year, right? Harkless has taken a lot of shots, and he's scored. It's not like he's been inefficient. But he hasn't been really an efficient score. If UNLV's defense wasn't phenomenal, we'd be talking about how they need Harkless to be more efficient. We'd be talking about how, well, maybe Harkless shouldn't take as many shots. But because they've been so good defensively, they just need average efficiency, and they're fine on offense. But Harkless is there, and Keyshawn Gilbert has actually been like their most efficient guy that's actually taking a lot of shots. I'm curious to see when they get into a close game, a good defensive battle, do they end up just relying on those two guys or are they able to sort of keep the offense as it is right now where lots of guys get to take shots? Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned San Diego State, and I know their coaches say, if you defend, if you defend how we want, if you defend in a way that we tell you, we won't yell at you if you take a shot. Right. Like they, you know, they've got Nathan Mensa taking threes, which he should not take threes. You know, Keyshawn Johnson taking threes when he shouldn't take threes, but they defend out of their mind. It's basically a reward. It's a reward right. for defending. Is Kevin like that this year? So Eli Parquet definitely takes two or three shots a game where you're like, all right, he's got like no, like there's very little chance he's scoring. You don't want that shot, whatever. But Eli Parquet is very good defensively and I think. I think it's the right 
it's probably the right attitude to be like, hey, you defend extremely well. We We're not going to yell defense. at you for shooting the ball. If you take two or three bad shots over the course of a game, that's fine. Like, whatever. Because if, if you, if Eli Parquet, like they use him as their primary on-ball defender usually, even ahead of Keyshawn Gilbert. If Eli Parquet is going to be, you know, one of your best defensive players and you're going to play him 32 minutes and tell him, well, you can't shoot. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> Even yeah, as, yeah, exactly. As much as these guys talk about, oh, we love defense, we love that mentality, we love that end of the floor. No, they want to score. If you're like, all right, dude, you can't shoot at all, I, I'm leaving. Lo- like, I think you're going to lose something defensively. Right. So I'm not telling you you shouldn't. <laughs> what I'm saying is you cannot do it. Right. You are so, not capable. I, I think that's probably the right attitude to have for that type of player, especially when you're this good defensively. Right. The thing with Luis Rodriguez, though, he's scoring like he's been efficient this season. It's not like, Oh, he's taken a bunch of shots and scoring. like, he's been efficient. He's way more efficient than EJ Harkless has been so far this year. So he, what he's doing, like you're perfectly fine with everything he's doing on offense because he's doing it at an efficient level. Now, maybe when they get into conference play, it's a lot harder for him to score and he's taken a lot of shots and he's not efficient. And you've got to say, all right, it's not that you can't shoot at all, but this isn't working for us. We need to figure out. To, so maybe that comes, but so far, he's been so good that y- you want the guy shooting, honestly. So it's that that's where UNLV is, and I'm curious to see close game. Who the third option is if they well, need one. Does it if be, they need one. Right. Does it become, we're just going to Gilbert and Harkless over and over? Because that's what they did last year. Now, obviously, they had Bryce Hamilton. But last year, when they got into close games, it was, all right, where's Bryce? Give him the ball. Right. And we're giving them ball screen, and that's that's the offense. And they were Bryce Hamilton was good. The offense was pretty efficient last year, and that was it. I'm curious to see when they get into a close game this year, because generally in basketball, it's really hard to play like free flowing. Everybody's getting shots. Everybody's scoring basketball when it's a close, tight game. Generally speaking, everybody in in the college basketball and the NBA goes to well, who's our best player, and let's get him the ball. Right. right? It's very hard to be like, all right. Here's Keyshawn Gilbert. He's your, here's EJ Harkless. Here's Luis Rodriguez. Hey, here's a little bit of David Mawoka, too. That's hard to do. Some teams can do it, and generally they're the really, really good ones. So that's what I'll be curious to see. But so far, very encouraging from Luis Rodriguez. So here is my quick question. Has the state-run media for UNLV came up with a nickname for him yet? Or is Luis he Rodriguez? Just, or is he Louis or is he like like that like that damn what was the John Sandler thing about butter that I don't know? Well, that one's just his last name. That's just Parquet. But what was the what was the phrase? It's not butter. It's not butter. It's, it's not parquet. butter. It's Parquet. And I have no idea what John Sandler's talking about, but you guys both do. All right, absolutely. So well, because when you go to the store, you well, just get butter. You know, like there, there's two, there's three different medias, but the state like they just normally like somebody starts referring to a player by like. Their nickname rather than their actual. I mean, when they signed Keyshawn Hall, the freshman, they called him Big Guard, I think, in the press release. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I have not seen one for Luis Rodriguez. All right. Well, I'm waiting for some sort of. uh, Do you want to call him Louie? I feel like you want to call him Louie as well. But I need the I need someone else to who's at least paid by the team to (laughs) to take that first step so that then I can call him that sort of like Nunu. Ah, Turbo back. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But that was, these are like, that was a childhood nickname that he just told people to call him. 
Like Marvin Menzies probably recruited him and was like, "Hello, Turvell," and he said, "No, no, it's no my name, my name's Nunu." <laughs> like I think that's really what happened with Turvell Beck. He's like, "All right, oh, that just, one's fair." Then this is what they call me. All right, coming up next, Hugh from body. Raider Nation Radio joins the show. Second and ten, Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. 23 remaining, 15 seconds. Mayfield flings it left side, end zone. Caught! Wow! Caught! Caught by Van Jefferson! With nine seconds remaining, touchdown, LA! This drive started on their own two yard line. And it's on the Raiders 23 for a second and 10. Shotgun to Mayfield. Fires towards the end zone. Lofted pass. Caught by Jefferson. No way. Van Jefferson beats Sam Webb into the end zone. And the Rams, with nine seconds to go, are an extra point away from stealing one from the Raiders. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. You can hear them over on Raider Nation Radio. Unnecessary roughness starting at 2 o'clock today. Hello, Q. Good hey, morning. Q. Hey. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> well, so, a couple okay. rejoins. Okay, let me, let me ask you, how... How should we like reconcile when Josh McDaniels talks a lot about like learning how to win and it's all about like details and and the culture and the all all throughout the organization and they lose a game to a guy who just walked in 48 hours early who like when did Baker Mayfield learn how to win like how should we reconcile that this is there's so much work that goes into it and McDaniels talks about it and they lose to a guy who showed up on Tuesday in a Thursday night football game yeah, that, that's the million-dollar question, right? I'm still, honestly, I mean, I know it's not 24 hours yet, but I'm still thinking about what in the world just happened. And, and listening to that that rejoin and listening to that game-winning touchdown catch by Van Jefferson from Baker Mayfield, even though I saw it happen, I know it happened, I know the game is over, I know it's a wrap, it still blows my mind that they were even in that position. So there's so many questions that Josh McDaniels and company have to answer and I don't know where to begin, right? I don't know where to begin with the questions because there's so many of them, including the one you just asked. Like, how is everyone else figuring out how to win and you're still figuring out how to lose, right? It, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense, though, the way that the offense performs, especially in the second half. It doesn't make any sense to me how Derek Carr could punt the ball into the end zone uh, for an interception right before halftime. I just I don't understand a lot about what I just saw on Thursday night. I just don't. Q, were you uh, somewhat yelling at the TV as they played not to lose in the second half? Only a you know a handful of passes, and they just it looked it looked like he just didn't believe that Baker Mayfield could bring them back. Yeah, you know, and, and that blew my mind as well. And I'm sitting there, we're at the Ed Resort, you know, we we started up day there with the official pregame show, and, and we're watching the game, and I just kept shaking my head and saying, "Are you going to score any more points?" I mean, they scored on the opening drive; they got a touchdown on the opening drive, and never sniffed the end zone again except for when they were trying to stop Van Jefferson from scoring, right? I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's like they scored and they listened to everyone all week long and say the Rams didn't have a chance. I mean, I, I just don't get it. You can't allow a team to hang around and hang around and hang around. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I know he's on his third team this year. The guy can throw the ball. And when that's all you ask him to do is literally just complete a pass, he's going to do that. It just, it, it just it, again, it blew my mind. Uh, the Raiders were not aggressive at all. You know, I wasn't even take the, the foot off the neck 
because I don't think the foot was ever on the neck, right? It was just it was just like, hey, oh, um, this is going to be a walk in the park, no doubt. Get this W and head back to Vegas, and that just wasn't what it was. Uh, did you hear Baker Mayfield post game when he was on the Amazon post game show? Basically, say he couldn't believe that they were in press coverage and that they stayed in man coverage uh, for the entirety of that final drive. It like is that criticism fair to lobby at Josh McDaniels, or is that criticism that leads to Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, not being here next year, or maybe not being here at some point later this season? Yeah, I mean, he might not be here later today, right? I mean, seriously, I mean, with, with that kind of decision, when you know what they have to do, they have to get into the end zone, play man press coverage, and also have an undrafted on the island by himself with no safety help on over the top. Makes no sense. None of that makes any sense. I'm no genius at all, as you guys very well know. But I can tell you that, right? I mean, I can see that and say that that was a bad decision. Just there was no rhyme or reason which goes back to all the why that I have. I mean, there's so many questions I have. I mean, I think the theme of my show for the next three hours this afternoon is going to be why, right? And then you <laughs> fill in the blank because there's so many different whys out there. It's not like, well, why did this? Why did Josh Jacobs fumble the ball? I mean, that, that's the easy question. But there's so many different questions. It, it just, oh, my gosh, it, it's ridiculous. We're still, like I said, I'm still in a state of shock. Now, Patrick Graham has to be there because they've already announced he's talking on Tuesday when the <laughs> offensive and defensive coordinator talks. So he, he'll be there well, at least. Or two. He, might, he might talk from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he has to talk. Uh, why in these losses do you think, and we just talked about them being conservative, but they just go into this mode of, is Devontae Adams on our team? Right, exactly. I mean, that, look, they got on the ball early, right, a couple of nice catches early, and that was it. You know, dump off right over the middle that was a, a, a bad decision but yeah i kept asking that question that's another why why are, are is the ball not going to 17 right and i know Jalen ramsey's good i get that but he ain't that great right it wasn't a blanket and, and they act like he was and they just decided that they it's almost like josh mcdaniel didn't trust Derek Carr to throw the ball anymore after he threw that interception in the end zone that's actually how it felt right i mean what did he have like six or 11 yards in the second half i mean it was just it was, I don't even know what the numbers was, but I just know it was ridiculous. And they just played the game like they really didn't want to be there, and they basically were trying to take the time off the clock from you know the second half on. And, and they just they didn't have enough points to, to try to play that kind of game. And, and again, I just don't know why that was the, the the method or why that was the game plan. Just again, it still blows my mind. I, I still don't understand what I saw. I really don't. So the way they've lost a lot of these games, it, it feels like it's a two-win team. But they, they are 5-8. and eight. They're not like right. the worst team in the league. They somehow, it doesn't matter who they're playing, it's going to be a one-possession game. It can be Mahomes okay. and the Chiefs or Baker Mayfield two days into his Rams tenure. But I, right. I guess they're 5-8. and eight. The record is not going to be terrible. As far as we know, Josh McDaniels is coming back next year. So what has to happen it, to end the season for Raiders fans to feel good about Josh McDaniels in his second year? Like, what do they need to do to finish the season to where people aren't just like, ah, oh, 2023 is a wasted year because Josh McDaniels is back? You know, honestly, I don't know if there's anything they can do. I mean, seriously. You know, I mean, I was doing the post-game show last night, and I know it was raw, and, and it was right after the game was lost. But, I mean, Raider Nation is so fired up that I don't know what they can do, right? I mean, everyone, well, at least 
I expected the team to go into the season, you know, being a lot better than they've shown. I mean, of course, they've won five games, but I thought that they should have been closer to a 10-win a ten season with all the, you know, the firepower they have, even though the offensive line was a question going into the season. I thought, okay, the weapons that they have, they'll be able to make up for some of that. And it just hasn't come to that. And, you know, a lot of Raider Nation is on the fence anyway with Josh McDaniels because he comes over from the Patriots, so they were already turned off by that. But they were willing to give it a chance. And if he won game and it looked like, okay, they're heading in the right direction, fine. Three-game winning streak, okay, people were starting to come around a little bit, but then you have this debacle, oh, yeah, they're, they're all the way back to square one now. So uh, I, I don't know if there's anything that he can do to finish off this season. They got five games. Go 5-0, and oh, I don't see that happening. Uh, we asked this earlier, can he be a good coach? Um, I think so. I mean, I, I think that's a terrible answer. But I think so. I mean, you see, you see in the three-game winning streak, you saw what it looks like the team could be and be good at certain at certain moments, right? Can they do it consistently? Can he consistently be a head coach? I mean, again, I guess that's another good why or a good question. You know, like you said, can he be a good coach? I, I think so. I really do. I mean, it sounds good. Ed, you're in the pressers all the time. It sounds like he knows what he's talking about when he's breaking down what happened here, there, and the other. It, it sounds like he's making sense. But until you see the proof, I mean, it's just it's just a lot of talk right now, and, and there's not a lot of results that are coming that are positive for uh, the Raiders. Do you feel bad for A.J. Cole that he has what should have been a game-sealing punt, which doesn't happen very often, and it wasn't a game-sealing punt? No, you're, you're right, man. A.J. Cole did a fantastic job, and I thought he shanked that one. I really did. It looked like he was going smooth out of bounds, and then all of a sudden it rolls down there, and you see Mac Collins doing the giddy down the sideline, and I was thinking, what in the world are you doing? And then, well, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield's doing the giddy. And why wouldn't it be Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, I think that makes it even worse. The dude, Tyler, the dude got off the bus. He looked like he just, you know when you go to a, a, a pickup game and you have to wear a jersey and they're like, here, just throw this one on? It looked like that's what they did. Just toss Baker a jersey. He went out there and played and won the game. Well, it was funny because Jared mentioned earlier, uh, after the game, he didn't know where the press room was, and he had to ask, where the hell do I go? <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know what? He actually looked like Jared wearing a random jersey, as Jared does all the time. Just, he just found some random jersey and threw it on. It was like, 17. That's cool. That fits like like it's, like it's the numbers or sizes of the jersey. Oh, 17's a, a medium. That'll fit you. You'll be all right. <laughs> Well, again, it's uh, two to five on Raider Nation Radio. Unnecessary roughness. Q. Do I have to? Yes. Oh, yes. yes you. You, do. you, you do. have you're, to. You're a workaholic. You never stop. Great. Uh, hey, Someone ask the boss if I have to show up today. <laughs> tune in. Uh, Q. As always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah. it, So there's Q Myers again. Raider Nation Radio. Two to five. Uh, unnecessary roughness today and every weekday. Um, you have something, Jared? Or you want me to give away the port of subs? Well, I was just, you look like I, you had something. I was going to say that what I find, um, what I I love about Q as a as a Raiders fan, he never brings up like and the refs, which was a basically a majority of what yeah. I saw yeah, was like complaining about the refs. And it was Grosby's just like he's getting hold on every play. He's getting well, that, that came from the guy who works on NFL Network. Yeah, that came from Rich time. Eisen. Yeah. And it's like, wow, because that doesn't happen to either of the Bosa's <laughs> are half the pass rushers half in the, the league. Edge rushers. We'll, we'll get more into the refs and Grady's grades. But now, a six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs could be yours. And you'll be qualified to win a Yeti cooler from Finley, Volvo, Cars, 702-364-1100. That is the phone number if 
You want a six-foot sub from Porta Subs and a shot at a Yeti cooler. Be caller number six right now at 702-364-1100. Porta Subs. Yeti cooler could be yours. Car deep drop. He bounces. He's hit as he lets it go middle. It's intercepted. Taylor Rapp in the middle of the field to cement a come-from-behind 17-16 win. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. You've got to be kidding me, Derek. Congratulations to Colby. He won uh, the Porta Sub six foot subs and has entered to win a Yeti cooler. Thanks to thanks to Finley Volvo. Um, we have tickets to the Esports Awards to give away a little bit later in the show. Uh, quick World Cup update for you: Brazil and Croatia look like they are headed to extra time, and they are. It is tied nil nil after ninety minutes, so they're going to play for another thirty minutes. And if nobody has the lead after 30, they will go to penalties. I believe, let me double check this. I believe Croatia does not have a shot on goal in this game. They do not. Brazil out shooting them 8-0 in just shots on goal in this game. So Croatia doing a tremendous job to not give up a goal while doing very little offensively. To try to score their own. Yep. And if they can hold on for 30 more minutes, they will get a shot to knock Brazil out in penalties. Uh, So... There's your World Cup update. Yeah, first game of the quarterfinals. We get the Netherlands and Argentina at 11 o'clock today. Also, uh, tomorrow, France and England play at 11. Chris Chapman will be out at Parkway Tavern in the district. So head out and watch the biggest game of the quarterfinals with Chapman. I will be out at Parkway Tavern in the district on Wednesday for a semifinal. I believe I'll be out there for the winner of France, England against the winner of Portugal, Morocco. Uh, So Wednesday, coming out and watch the World Cup with me. Now, we could do a lot on Dan Snyder and the story that came out yesterday on the House Committee that's looking into Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders. Basically, um, not that we didn't know this, but it's now like officially a part of the investigation. Dan Snyder uh, was a big part of the toxic culture in Washington. We all knew that, but now it's officially a yeah. part of the House committee there. There's nothing in that. I read that report, and there was nothing there like, oh, man, that's a shock. Right. Um, but Raiders-related, we do have this revelation. The House committee looking into it uh, found that the John Gruden emails that led to his firing, uh, they were leaked by the Washington commanders. So says Bruce Allen. That is That is accurate. Bruce Allen testified that that they were leaked by the Washington commanders. Now, if we assume what Bruce Allen says is true, uh, which he was testifying under, under oath, oath, so he'd be held in contempt of Congress. <laughs> I'm going to guess that he, that he's telling the truth there. Um, That's federal prison, baby. <laughs> right. Uh, John Gruden is currently suing the NFL because John Gruden has claimed that the NFL leaked those emails to get him fired. Basically, they wanted him out, so they leaked these emails, and he is out of the league. This basically kills that, right? Does he call his lawyer and say, scratch the out, name out, scratch out the name with <laughs> with pen, not pencil, NFL, and then just above it, like you scratch out a name above it, you write in the other name, Dan Snyder. <laughs> Do that, and that's who we're suing now. Is it that easy to just shift? All right, everything I yeah, said about exactly. the NFL I, is they're okay. I actually Snyder. like those guys. <laughs> I like Roger. Now I'm going to sue. Now I'm going to sue Danny Boy. <laughs> so 
That that I again, I don't know the exact situation when you're currently in a lawsuit against the NFL and it comes out that well, technically they didn't the really commanders. do it. The commanders are part of the NFL, so maybe it could still go on, but it does seem as though John Gruden has the wrong target lined up in his lawsuit and presumably could shift over to Dan Snyder, the Washington commanders or whoever individually leaked it. Um, but my guess is Dennis Allen would be the star witness. <laughs> uh, Bruce Allen. Bruce, Bruce Allen. Allen my, yeah. my Dennis bad. Allen's Bruce too busy Allen. beating Dennis the Raiders 24 nothing. He's too busy shutting the Raiders yeah. out. Bruce uh, Allen and, would and be the star witness. And not winning other games. Witness. Um, so, is this... Dan Snyder, if you remember, there was that report from ESPN about Dan Snyder being like, I got dirt on NFL owners, and if they come after me, I'm going to release the dirt, and we're all going down and together. And suddenly, Jerry Jones is in a picture outside the Little Rock. That is true. I didn't. Eh, I don't know if those are related, but maybe we should put those together. Is this the dirt that Dan Snyder had? On John Gruden? Yeah. Yeah, but didn't he say owners? He did. He did say Whoa. owners, but is this the dirt? Like, he was like, oh, I've got this dirt. Is this basically what he was referring to? That I have emails of John Gruden saying bad things, and maybe I have emails of owners saying bad things. Well, when did he say this? Because weren't the emails already leaked, yes, and the didn't emails he already were, get fired? Oh, yeah. so emails like, already leaked. Gruden right. was already gone. None all of this of that. The yeah. only revelation here is that it might have been the commanders who yeah. leaked them. Everyone knew what the emails said. Right. Well, okay, I should say this. Dan Snyder has not said, I have dirt. It was a report from ESPN where they talked to a source that worked with the commanders that said, Dan Snyder often tells us he's got dirt on the owners. So maybe he did say it before the Gruden stuff uh, got leaked and became And this is what public. the dirt was. Yes, maybe. Uh, but I'm, I'd be willing to bet the dirt that Dan Snyder does or does not have is just emails. He's just like, ah, yeah. we got emails where Jerry Jones Jerry. said something bad that could get him right. in trouble. Or Frank, er well, if it was Frank Ursay, he probably would have already released it <laughs> because Frank Ursay does not Frank. like Dan Snyder. Um, one other detail from this House committee. John Gruden also sent this email in 2012. Raiders suck and Carson Palmer is another USC bleep. Lady right. Part. He said Lady Part. Yeah, he sent that in 2012. Uh, but yeah, John Gruden sent an email that said the Raiders suck, and then about seven years later, got hired by the Raiders for to a 10-year contract. 